With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, October 17th. Buckle up your seatbelt, folks, and strap in for an incredible championship Sunday in the professional tennis world as we have five finals, really, that I know are going to keep all of you tennis fans out there entertained on this championship Sunday. Of course, with all due respect to the many ITF events happening across the globe, there are really five ATP events I am circling in on tomorrow as I look forward to a championship Sunday in the pro tennis world. Of course, we've got the events going on in Cologne. We've got Alex Virev taking on Felix Ogier Aliassime, two of the names all of us tennis fans have circled as two of the heir apparents in the ATP game. Of course, we've also got two other guys, Andre Rublev taking on Borna George in St. Petersburg at the ATP 500 there. That's an exceptional matchup between two U.S. Open quarterfinalists. Of course, that tournament taking place on indoor hard courts, so we know that's going to be an exciting matchup. Laszlo Jur taking on Marco Cecinato, that's going to be great. Jaume Munar taking on, I believe, uh, Pablo Cuevas. No, he's not picking on Pablo Cuevas. Excuse me, Pedro Sosa uh, in the Lisbon Challenger. And then, of course, young Carlos Alcaraz, the 17-year-old who's already won two Challenger titles this year. He's got an opportunity not only to cha- ta- uh, not only to capture his third title, but, of course, capture a second title in back-to-back weeks as he is going to take on a fellow young Spaniard in Pedro Martinez Portero tomorrow in another Challenger final. So really, you know, yes, we're done with Grand Slam action here in 2020, but the calendar rolls on, folks. So much exciting tennis for us tennis fans to consume. Of course, the reason we're able to break it down, provide all this content for you listeners is because of the support we get, not only from our Patreon subscribers, but from our friends, of course, over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar as well. For any of your equipment needs, be sure to go to MidwestSports.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, I myself have been fortunate enough to be home. I get to go hit. I think we've hit now three times. My little brother and I, my tennis, slowly getting better and better. But clearly, I need to make some adjustments. I know I got to go buy grips. I know I have to go do all these things. Maybe even time to update my shoes. I'm going to turn to Midwest Sports. You should as well. And again, of course, use that promo code. CR15 to let them know that we sent you there. Of course, being on court, the real story for me, I'm just not the athlete I once was. And I think it's because, you know, when you're 20, 21, 19, 18, of course, before you're 18, you can get away with eating whatever you want and then go on court and put up a fine performance because you're in rhythm. But as you get older, if you want to maintain your level of tennis, you got to think about the things you're doing off the court. What are you doing with your nutrition? What are you doing with your fitness? That's where our friends at Aerobar come in. The only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors. And when I 
say delicious. You may hear me having some acid reflux in this podcast, which happens every so often. It's probably my biggest weakness as a podcaster, my fondness for sweets and what they do to me here on the podcast. Nevertheless, today I munched on an arrow bar because I, as I mentioned, I went and hit with my brother. I happened to have arrow bars with me. It brought out my best performance. Now you can go bring out your best performance as well by ordering up a case of arrow bars. You use our promo code cracked 15. You'll get 15% off your order. And again, let them know that we sent you there. So Midwest sports, arrow bar, cracked rackets, look good, feel good. And of course you will play good as well. With that in mind, let's talk about these players playing well this week on the ATP tour. It's going to be an exciting championship Sunday. One of those days, I don't know what your preferences are. I prefer to have tennis going on my laptop and then football on the television. I just think, you know, again, if I'm watching something um, um, intimately, I want it on the screen closest to me, and then I can watch multiple matches at once on my laptop. So that's going to be my arrangement. If you are able to do that, of course, I highly recommend it. Or just go tennis across multiple screens if that option is available to you, because there's going to be that much stellar action going on across the globe. Let's start with not the highest rated match, or it's not the ATP 500 in St. Petersburg, but to me, and I'm a little bit biased, of course, it's the headline match on Championship Sunday. The two players I would say I have had circled as the next two heir appearance on the ATP Tour. And no, neither of them have gotten over the finish line in Grand Slams yet. But our final in Cologne, Alex Zverev taking on Felix Auger Aliassime for Zverev today. A 7-5-7-6 win over Davidovich Fokina for Auger Aliassime. Really nice three-set win for him over Roberto Bautista Agut, 6-3-1-6-6-3. I'll talk about the matches in a second, but when I refer to these guys as heir apparents, you know, for uh, Carlos Alcaraz, he's accomplishing a lot of things right now on the challenger circuit. He's one of, I think he's the third youngest player in history to reach uh, four challenger finals. I already mentioned the only guys younger, Rafael Nadal and Richard Gasquet. You look, of course, at some of the other things you do to win multiple challenger titles before you turn 18. Gasquet, uh, Nadal on that list. Another guy who you throw in there, Felix Ogier, Ali who, of course, was one of the top-rated juniors, is a junior slam champion, reached number one junior status in the world. Worth noting, him making the final here, it's his sixth final uh, at the ATP level. And, of course, Felix Ogier Aliassime hasn't had the big breakthrough at a slam the way many of these next-gen guys have, right? We saw Demonauer make a quarterfinal, Shapovalov make a quarterfinal, of course, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas all making semifinals or better in their career. Berrettini, a semifinalist as well. Rublev's now done it back-to-back. Hatchnov has done it. You know, more and more of these guys continue to accomplish that feature, and of course, that's what's going to stand out to us tennis fans, but, you know, Felix Ogier Aliassime, 20 years old. Does he have a title yet? No, but he reaches his sixth final at the ATP level, and you look at the next-gen guys, and that next-gen campaign kicked off with the 1996s, so this stat from at only Roger can fly in that context of that next-gen crew, the guys born 1996 or later. Here's the list of players who have made six finals or more. Both Demonauer and Ogier have made six. Chorich, by making one here this week, has made seven. Rublev, making one here this week, has had eight. Then you have Tsitsipas with 12, Medvedev with 13, and then your boy Alex Zverev with 20. So again, 
finals are not the only summar- you know, summarization of what you have accomplished on tour. There's more than just making finals, winning events. It's consistency week in, week out that separate the cream of the crop from anywhere else. But at the 250 level, at the challenger level, Felix Ogier Aliassime has started to show that. And what's so impressive about his five, now six finals is they've come on different surfaces, right? They've come on clay, they've come on grass, and now three times here in 2020, they've come on indoor hardcourts. For Felix this year, he loses back-to-back finals in February. In Rotterdam, he lost a final in straights to Monfils. Uh, the next week, he lost a final in straights to Tsitsipas. Of course, none of those bad losses at all, as we know Monfils, one of the best players early on in the season, and we all know what Stefano Tsitsipas has done on tour. So, you know, he's going to get another shot tomorrow against Alex Virovin for FAA, which you love to see today. Just the A game for him, is it's so exceptional already at this point in his early career, and you look at it for Felix in this match, what are the things he was doing well? Well, you know, he made 62% of his first serves, won 73% of those points. When he was able to play plus one tennis, when he's able to use his forehand to dominate uh, the match, to dominate the sort of points that are being played. Uh, he's an elite tennis player. He's got that sort of capability. I mentioned this on our earlier podcast today. He and Andre Rublev had the two forehands that sound the most dangerous. They just sound different from the way everyone else on tour strikes the ball in. You can see that with the eye test as well. You know, Felix so comfortable playing indoor hardcore tennis, so comfortable moving forward, playing the plus one ball, taking balls early, taking balls down the line, getting to the net. Of course, you know, FAA continues to struggle with his plan B, his plan C, if you can get him defensive, if you can get him stretched to the outer third, but not on a ball he has time to attack in the outer third because that's when he's most dangerous, but a ball with good pace, good depth that has him playing neutral or defensive tennis, that's when you can get him stretched. And of course, Roberto Bautista Gut is going to ask every question of you as an opponent. And Bautista Gut, honestly, probably a little bit better in this match. He wins 72 total points to FAA's 68, of course, that second set very lopsided, but in this match, RBA wins 71% of his first serve points. The big difference between them, FAA 14 of 29 on second serve points, RBA 14 of 21. Uh, But, you know, simply put, they both had three breaks of serve. Uh, FAA was just able to get them in the more crucial moments. FAA played great in the big moments, and again, it's the confidence he has in his A game. It's when he's down break points. I know he only saved three of six, but he just seemed to find a first serve in the biggest moments. It's an indoor hardcore. He just has a game that can overwhelm you. And Roberto Bautista Gutti is going to stretch you. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. But he didn't have, you know, first of all, he did have a weapon to hurt RBA or to hurt FAA consistency, uh, consistently, and it was his consistency. It was his depth. It was his placement. It was, you know, the variety. And that doesn't just mean slice. It just means different angles, different spins, different elevations over the net, changing direction. But when FAA was able to find his rhythm, assert himself in this match, I mean, again, against a player of RBA's quality to only be broken three times, that's a really good serving performance from FAA, who was able to grind this one out, who found it in the biggest moments. And again, uh, it's about executing big in the big moments that will get you into that elite category. This was a great victory for FAA, who of course now has a, an even taller task, both literally and, you know, hypoth- uh, literally and what's the, figuratively, there it is. Hey, great shot to me in Alex Virov tomorrow. And just worth noting, as I said, Alex Virov, the leader of the next-gen crew with his 20 finals, that's seven more than anyone else. He's made at least two tour-level finals since 2016. And 
you know, he's won a title every year since 2016 as well. Now, his two finals appearances this year, the U.S. Open and Cologne, and, you know, obviously, uh, Cologne, uh, this is his second final of the year. This is probably his best chance, one would argue, obviously, between this and the U.S. Open to win a title this season. What I was trying to say is that if he does not win a title this season, I don't think any of us would be surprised by that fact. But, I mean, indoor hardcourts, Alex Virov, if you've watched him this week, when the first serve lands, when he's serving well, the guy is just a monster. I mean, all the other physical skills hold. The serve is the inflection point in his game. When it goes, he goes. When it goes away, he goes away. And so in this match for him against Davidovich Fokina, who asked every question, who continued to fight and scrap and claw and make that extra ball, uh, you know, Zverev was just too good on serve. Makes 64% of his first serves, wins 72% of those points, 62% of the second serve points, only faces two break points on the day. Of course, ADF able to to convert one of them, but, you know, Zverev, they trade breaks in that second set, but Zverev was able to get it to a breaker, and then his serve got him through that breaker, and, you know, there's the question mentally, what happens to Alex Zverev after losing the U.S. Open final the way he did? He looks just fine. He has dropped one set this week, you know, the one set to Lloyd Harris, but then he bagels him in the third, and he just looks locked in. And again, it's indoor hard courts. Of course, he is such an exceptional athlete. He always is going to look good on a hard court, for God's sake. He just made the U.S. Open final. Uh, But, you know, his skill set, his serve seems to be there tomorrow. And again, that is going to be the key in their matchup between FA and Zverev in that final. You look at the career head-to-head. They've played twice already. Zverev, two fairly easy straight set wins, one last year in Beijing on hard court, another one last year on in Monte Carlo on the clay. And Zverev comes into this match in better form. Yes, he lost his round of 16 match to Yannick Sinner, but of course that was after he made that U.S. Open final. And, you know, if you listen to the press conference, of course this was a scandal at the time. Zverev expressing the fact that he wasn't feeling well heading into that match. I'm not saying you write it off. I'm saying Zverev obviously has come into this 2020 restart in very good form. Uh, Felix has struggled at the majors, but other than that, the two out of three set format, he has looked rock solid. And again, the key for him, that first serve percentage, it's got to be in the 63, 64, 65% range. This match is going to be all about holding serve. I give the edge to Zverev because, again, just eye test-wise and he's playing better experience-wise. He has more clearly. I think these are the sorts of good matchups for him when things are simple, when he just has to play plus one tennis on the serve and then, you know, on the return, absorb his opponent's pace, you know, get good depth and take FAA out of the rhythm with the return. I just think this is a good matchup for him. Players who play plus one, you fall into Alex Zverev's trap. It's the players who make the match physical, then he falls falls into that lull, and now you get a grind fest. Anyways, I think Zverev takes this match. My mom, my dad, my brother, they also all picked Zverev, so it's a unanimous Zverev decision in the Gruskin household today, but of course, that is going to be a very, very fun matchup for all of us to watch. That's the battle in Cologne. I think that's the headline match, but honestly, if your preference is to watch Chorich Rublev, how can I blame you? And after what Andre Rublev did today in his three-set victory over Denis Shapovalov, I mean, One could argue, and I saw this on tennis Twitter, and I think it's a point I've made here before, so I apologize if I don't cite exactly who the tweet came from, but has there been a more impressive player in 2020 on the ATP Tour than Andre Rublev? You want to say Carlos Alcaraz? I'll listen to that argument. You want to say some of the other young players who have made breakthroughs? You want to say Dominic Team just for getting over the hump? Fine. You want to say Nadal or Djokovic? Yeah, like anyone can argue with that fact in 2020, but... 
based on the litmus test of expectations and how you did compared to those expectations, I mean, by every metric, Rublev has exceeded them. You know, this is his fourth final on the year now. He's 3-0 in finals to this point. He has the two quarterfinals at majors this year as well. And now he finds himself in the top eight of the rankings, folks. I mean, for Andre Rublev right now, live ranking number eight, new career high. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, he is... I think right now in the number seven position and, you know, the leader in the last spots available for the year-end finals. And I did a whole rant on Rublev earlier today, so I'm not going to do that again. But I will say this, the matchup against Shapovalov was phenomenal. Two guys who just, they hit the covers off the ball. It's that simple. And that's what we saw in this match. You know, in that first set, Shapovalov was just able to keep Rublev off balance. Rublev was never able to set, that's not true, he was able to set his feet, but it was Shapovalov doing more of the dictating, being the the one to take the initiative to change directions, and Rublev was constantly having to go side to side because the worst thing you can let Andre Rublev do is hit, let him hit two balls in the same position because he just turns too well into a ball if he has a clean look at it. And Shapovalov did such a good job of changing directions, such a good job of swinging through his backhand. You look at the match stats in this one for Shapovalov: seventy-six percent on the first serve, fifty-five percent on the second serve for Rublev, seventy-nine percent on the first serve, fifty-six percent on the second serve. There were only three breaks of serve in this match, one per set. The problem for Denis Shapovalov, he played a sloppy set in the third. The the first serve percentage wasn't there. The legs were a little bit gone, and that's where it was amazing to see, you know, a year and a half, two years, three years ago, the biggest question for Andrei Rublev were questions about how physical can he become? How can physicality become a big part of his game? Because obviously he overwhelms you with his pace if he can do that, you know, over the course of three or five sets, and if he can continue to track down balls and set his feet. The guy is just an absolute monster, but Shapovalov was not afraid of the moment. Again, there was some big hitting in this match. Whoever took the initiative to change direction, take control of the point, they had more success. And then again, ultimately, you know, eight double faults for Shapovalov. You don't love to see that, but the, the margins in this match were very, very thin. 95 total points for Rublev, 87 for Shapovalov. That's a 52%, 48% split. This was an either-or battle, and what this comes down to, Andre Rublev right now, just so confident in those moments. You could tell he got the break fairly early in set number two and just kind of held on to it and then, you know, get gets the break midway through set three. Shapovalov gets a little bit frustrated, but... Andre Rublev looks phenomenal. And I mean, he's going to get an absolute test tomorrow in Borna Chorich, who, of course, made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open as well. Chorich, we named him on that list. He's one of the guys with the seven most finals appearances of the next-gen crew. He is a guy who's been ranked as high as, I believe, number 12 in the world in his career, currently at number 24 in the live rankings. But for him today, he just did a great job of playing to big targets. He did a great job of picking his spots, of not getting passive, but playing with controlled aggression. And it's what helped him earn a 1-6-6-1-6-4 victory over Milos Raonic. And again, that battle tomorrow, George versus Rublev, it's going to be a battle because George is going to make the match physical. He's going to want to change direction. I do, th- I mean, think clearly in this one, Rublev's got the firepower advantage. The thing for George, you know, his last two matches, Opelka and Raonic, those are fairly similar opponents. And then you've got to play plus one tennis. You got to play quick tennis. It's easy decisions. You know, if you make a mistake, if you float a ball, they're going to punish it. And on a Rayonich Opelka punishing shot, they either hit a winner or they miss the shot. And obviously for George, he, you know, did a really good job staying disciplined, getting good depth in these past two matches. But 
Rublev's a whole different type of aggression. He attacks you from the baseline, and there are times when the Chorch forehand falters a little bit when it faces pressure, or there are times he gets a little bit slap-happy on that forehand side when he knows he has to play a bit more aggressively. The question for Rublev, how much does he have left in the tank? He has played just so many matches here in 2020, and I know there was a a six-and-a-half-month layoff, and I know in terms of fitness and, you know, how ready they are to play, no one is more physically fit right now and prepared to play than Andre Rublev. But this is going to be a battle. Now, it was a split decision at the Gruskin dinner table. Michael Gruskin leaning Borna Chorch. He just likes what he's seen out of the backhand corner from Chorch. He thinks he's going to be able to change direction off that side, play really well with the serve. And he thinks Rublev might be a little bit gassed, to be honest. And he also thinks Rublev needs a haircut, but that's a conversation for another time. But Andre Rublev is just incredible. And this is, again, I've said it before, this is what it looks like when a player's making the leap. Andre Rublev's making the leap. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's a three-setter. I think that would be my pick for ace of the day. But I do think Andre Rublev's going to be the one who takes this match. And of course, again, it's going to be a really fun battle. That's final number two on the day. We still have, though, and by the way, in the career head-to-head between the two of them, Rublev 3-0 and right now uh, against Chorch. Those matchups have happened over the course of a couple of years for Andre Rublev. He did beat Chorch in 2019 in Shanghai in straight sets. He also beat him in Doha 2018 straight sets. The only time they've played indoor hard courts the next-gen finals, which, of course, is a format that we can throw out for the sake of this conversation. But I think today's the day, at a minimum, George gets a set. Uh, again, for Andre Rublev, he's just played so many matches of late. You know, he plays Cincy, the U.S. Open. He plays Rome. He plays Hamburg. He plays the French Open. He goes straight to St. Petersburg. It's a lot of wear on the legs, but give me Rublev in this match. You know, he didn't look tired at all against Shapovalov. I think he'll be just fine tomorrow uh, against Borna Chorch. That, of course, leaves one more to go. Uh, three more finals just to talk about quickly. Let's go now to Sardinia, uh, where Marco Cecinato continues to prove when he is locked in mentally, he's as good of a clay court player as anyone at the 250 level uh, on tour. You know, Cecinato taking advantage of a soft draw, certainly in the semifinals. 6-1, 6 love over Petrovic. Now, he'll, ta- he'll face last Laszlo Jure, the beneficiary of a 4-1 third set retirement from Lorenzo Musetti, another guy who has just played so much tennis of late. And of course, we hope he is all right, but that's going to be an absolute battle. And I mean, you look for these two players, you know, in the career head-to-head. Chachinata leads 2-0. Now, they haven't played since 2018, but both of their matchups have come on clay, both of them. Straight set victories for Cecinato. I believe Cecinato, a slight favorite tomorrow, according to bookmakers. He would probably be my pick. Now you just look how they both played of late. For Cecinato in Parma, he lost a three-set quarterfinal to Del Bonis at the French Open. You know, he comes through qualifying, loses that third-round match to Zverev. Of course, before that, he qualifies, wins a round over Kyle Edmund before losing to Krajinovic. For Laszlo Jure, you know, a three-set loss for him to Caruso in the quarterfinals, but then straight-set loss to Anderson in the first round. Semifinals of Kitzbühel. These are two guys who are both playing really exceptional tennis. So again, the move for me, probably not a money line play, but the over in this match, I do think think this one goes the distance. I'm going to lean Chech, but I don't feel great about it. I think Laszlo could take this one. Nikki Gruskin leaning Chech. My parents both declined to make a pick due, on, due to lack of information. 
Uh, but it's a really good battle, of course. So that's another fun one to watch. And then we have the challenger action as well. Two fun matches, as I mentioned at the top quickly for the matches going on in Lisbon. We've got Haumi Munar taking on number two seeded Pedro Sosa. Neither guy uh, has, or, you know, I believe actually Sosa's dropped one set. Munar hasn't dropped any on his way to the final. We know what he's capable of on clay court. That one's going to be a battle that you can find on livestream.com backslash ATP or slash ATP, whatever it may be. Of course, our other battle in Alicante, Pedro Martinez Portero taking on Carlos Alcaraz. And both of these guys coming off of three set wins in the semifinal. But just worth repeating, Alcaraz, the third youngest player to reach four challenger finals. He's done it by the age of 17 and five months. The other two guys he joins, Rafa and Gasquet. That's pretty damn good. And then, of course, for him, he's looking for back-to-back titles, his third title since the restart. Martinez Portero looking for his second title, first since 28 at the challenger level. Of course, for Martinez Portero, he reached the third round of the French Open before losing to Sebastian Corda. Now, Alcaraz does have a 2-0 head-to-head advantage over Martinez Portero, but... I mean, this is going to be an absolute battle. I mean, Alcaraz has played so much tennis of late, and I'm just excited for all of the action. That is one that we must watch. If Alcaraz wins this, another clay court title on at the challenger level by the eight, before the age of 18, we got to start throwing him in the conversations with the Sinners, with the FAAs, as the most promising young players on tour, because you don't have that sort of success before 18 on a fluke. It means we you have a very, very promising future, most likely. Uh, but of course, that is all the action on a championship Sunday. Now, if you want to make your picks for all the action, be sure to turn to our friends at DraftKings. Go to dkng.co slash cracked open. If you have missed any of our coverage here this week, you can find all of it on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Lingner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, as well, to our friends over at Midwest Sports and and uh, Aerobar. Be sure to go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Be sure to go to Aerobar.com to use that promo code CRACK15. And again, things going to be rocking and rolling on a normal schedule moving forward. I will be indie bound tomorrow. I will be back in CR headquarters with super producer Daniel Westoff so we can start doing all the fun things we love to do. We know Grand Slam tennis is over, but there is still so much to discuss here in 2020. And then, of course, I slowly start to turn to 2021 and it's not just pro tennis folks college tennis on the horizon i'll just say this we had our first college tennis content related meeting here at cracked rackets we're thinking about it you should be too so be excited for all the content coming up here at cracked rackets and of course i want to just lastly say we are so grateful for our patreon subscribers if any of you want to join rcr family be sure to go to patreon.com slash cracked rackets for you patrons who are listening to this podcast send in those mailbag questions as we have another edition of the mailbag mailbag pod coming out for you soon uh with that in mind though for our super producers Max Flieger and Daniel Westoff our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone